This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hello and welcome to the Farm Traveler Podcast. I'm your host, Trevor Williams. And this is the show for anybody that wants to connect where their food comes from. And on the show today, we are talking with some awesome people from Pennsylvania. We are talking with Haley and Stephanie Painter, two sisters that grew up on a dairy farm, and they are now creating a value-added product on their dairy in the form of a yogurt. But it's not just a normal, typical yogurt. It's actually an Icelandic form of yogurt called Skr, S-K-E-E-R. And it has a higher protein content of yogurt. And so we're going to talk to Haley and Stephanie about the process of creating that yogurt, what went into the research of it, how they're producing it, um, and really how they're working with um, companies and grocery stores to bring their product to consumers and what that's been like, especially during the whole COVID pandemic. And then also on their farm, they practice regenerative agriculture. And we're going to talk about what that looks like on a dairy, um, kind of how they're doing it with the with the cows, with the grass, with the feeding, all that good stuff, and really how how that plays a part into helping market their story and market their product. So this is an awesome interview. If you want to check them out, go to painterlandsisters.com. And also, we will have linked in the description of this podcast episode um, their social media handles, website, and all that good stuff. So this was a super fun episode. Haley and Stephanie were a blast to chat with. Learned a lot about them and how they started their business and their story and all that good stuff. So I hope you enjoy it too. So enjoy the episode. All right. Well, Haley and Stephanie, welcome to the Farm Traveler Podcast. How are you two doing? We're doing great. It is warm in Pennsylvania today. So how could we not be great? Hey, there you go. I'm jealous. It's hot here in Florida. We just had like a super duper cold front, but now it's hot. So I guess typical Florida weather. So what's yeah. a super duper cold front for Florida? Yeah, I mean, like a high of, or a low of 32. I mean, not super duper cold. I was following some people on Instagram. I think like, 
Uh, I can't remember who, but it was like negative 10 degrees, I think, in North Dakota. So oh. I can't really complain much about 30 degrees. No, that would be warm for them. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> All right. So you guys have got a really cool story. I'm excited to learn about it. You've got this new product, your organic yogurt, which we're going to talk a lot about. Super excited about that as well. So kind of give me a little bit about kind of both of your backgrounds and kind of your stories. All right. So let's just put it out there that we're sisters. So if we start to talk over over each other, like that's just the nature of the relationship, right? <laughs> um, but we, we are um, two sisters that uh, grew up on a dairy farm. We're fourth generation on that farm in uh, north central Pennsylvania. So in the rolling hills of Pennsylvania, where a lot of people only have a, a, a cabin, basically. So we we do live up in the in the middle of nowhere, and we love it. We love where we're from, and and that's really built uh, our just our main like motives of why we're doing what we're doing now. Um, so Haley, do you uh, want to add anything in there? Yeah. So you covered the sisters thing. We are not twins. Stephanie is two years older than me. Um, we we went to college together for two years so we we got mixed up a lot but then I ended up graduating from Iowa State Stephanie graduated from Susquehanna University which is in Pennsylvania and so we had a lot of great background and got to meet a lot of connections off of the farm before we we jumped into a huge adventure together (laughs) okay I I did not know you were not twins so that's what I thought looking at the website and social media so I'm glad I underlined (laughs) that not twins so I'm glad you brought that yeah, up. Yeah, we just wanted to verify that with everybody. So we we actually, we told our dad when we were leaving this, the farm, we said, dad, like we will come back to the farm in like 10 years. So we turned 18, graduated high school, went away to college, traveled a lot. And then, you know, we needed to talk to somebody other than our cows and cousins <laughs> from back home. And then we wanted to bring all the world that we've seen and bring it back to the farm. And then figure out how we can bring the farm out into the world. And we're doing that um, through our social media, but through Icelandic style skier yogurt. So that's basically what's going on at, at this point in our lives. And we just launched that two weeks ago in stores and it is wild right now. <laughs> so Yeah. I mean, what's that whole process been like? I mean, that's, I mean, you guys are fourth generation farmers and that's very interesting because I feel like that's a lot of farm kids go through that. They're like, I don't want to farm. I'll eventually come back to the farm and you guys came back and then you have this cool product. So what was that whole, like, what was that brainstorming behind that? Like what yeah. made you come up with that and the whole production of it? I'll start. So basically when, when you think about coming back to your farm, you have a goal and you know exactly where you want to go. Mm. You see it. You want it. You want to help the farm. You want to create a value-added product. That was our goal. And so the only thing we couldn't see is the path. And we didn't realize that it spun in circles 10 times up and down and on a gravel road and <laughs> every which direction. So we knew the path we wanted to go and we just kept following it and believing in it until we ended up um, creating a, a product that we absolutely loved, that consumers love, and that we're proud to share with everyone else so it's been everything but straight but we just kept our we kept our eyes set and we were we're really proud of where we are now do you have any other things to add to that stephanie because that was a cool question yeah i think you uh you nailed it we just the path was we knew we wanted to do something to vertically integrate the farm and we didn't know what it was so we just we just started instead of like having this 
goal and this idea, like we were like, okay, we, we need to do something. So we just started talking to people and really like getting ourselves out there. And then they kept leading us to other people that knew more information and more information. So we really networked until we had a team of people that we trusted to help us with this dream of ours mm. and this goal of ours. And so honestly, like what, you know, we just talked, <laughs> we talked a lot until we figured out the right people. So, um, but we told, we thought it was going to be like, Hey, we want, we, we figured it out. We went through a lot, a couple different rabbit holes first. We like, okay, we're going to make yogurt. Okay. Awesome. We partnered with a, a 10 generation Icelandic yogurt maker in Pennsylvania, and he makes incredible products. So we were so excited to partner with him. And so we're like, okay, let's just, um, you know, take our family's milk it's organic and turn it and he'll turn it into this great product. Mm. And so we thought it'll take like a month to figure that out. Um, it's been like two years <laughs> and <laughs> we're really proud of where we're at now. But if you just want to make a blueberry yogurt, it's not just that simple. It's like, okay, well, do you want to make it this sweet? Do you want, what kind of sweetener do you want to use? Do you want to add lemon in there? So we have a blueberry lemon yogurt. Okay, that's too lemony. That's too blueberry-y. Okay, well, now we need somebody to to certify that that's completely what it says it is. So we need a nutritionist and we need a food scientist and we need, you know, to send it through all these different verifications. So it's been crazy. But like, like Haley said, we just didn't stop. Like we didn't just like, well, this is a lot more than what we thought it was. We thought it would take a month to make yogurt. Um, and it's taken two years. We just kept believing in it and just kept going until we, until we eventually figured it out. And, um, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's wild. So, I mean, what really made you guys kind of decide to do the skur yogurt and then kind of going off that a little bit, I mean, coming up with flavors, like you said, it's not just as easy as adding blueberries. Like, how hard is it to come up with all those flavors? And then at what point do you say like, okay, we have enough flavors. We don't need to make more right now. So what were those kind of whole processes like? Yeah, I think I'll start. So what made us want to make yogurt? When we first went into this, we knew value-added product. And then we set our eyes on, we're going to make cheese. Mm. I firmly <laughs> believed that. I learned how to make cheese. I went to a bunch of cheesemakers all across the country um, I went to my friend's farm in Costa Rica where she made cheese. Stephanie and I were gung-ho, we're making cheese. So, And then we stumbled upon that there was a niche in the market, which was a very gourmet yogurt. And we found that Icelandic style is a little niche, in even the gourmet yogurt section. So finding that niche is the key mm. that really opened our doors to the opportunity that, that we could create something special for all consumers in the country. I mean, yeah, kind of going off of that, I feel like when you're making a business, I've heard this quote all the time and it's like, the riches are in the niches. And if you really want to um, get a really good audience, a really good consumer base, you've got to find something that's very, I mean, kind of niche based where somebody is going to like it and it's different than everything else. And then they're going to go after it. <laughs> so what kind of really makes yeah. skier different than other yogurts out there? Like what are some of those like Icelandic, um, components of it what you're saying stephanie <laughs> <laughs> extra creamy and definitely dreamy icelandic style skier yogurt <laughs> yummy in my tummy <laughs> that's a pretty good sales um, pitch it's just, it's, just, it's just extra creamy like the way that it's 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 made the equipment that he has the his technique of making this yogurt is so creamy and 
Haley can get into this a little bit more, but basically um, the way that it's made, it, it keeps in a lot of the protein and just exits out the water during production. So that leaves um, a different consistency that's it's, it's richer and it's, um, it's, it's just creamier than even Greek yogurt. It's fluffy, like clouds. It's fluffier. <laughs> and, yeah, look, really? looking at the website, like I'm looking at the pictures of them. It's like 18 grams of protein, 16 grams. And that's a lot higher than like normal yogurt. So that's very interesting that it ups the protein, but lowers the water, the, like the water content. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a great process. We use a process called ultra filtration. So ultra just means um, they're putting pressure behind filters. So instead of using, you know, an old cheese bag where you you drain the way through the through the holes we're taking the holes and applying pressure behind Mm. it so all of the protein goes through instead of falling through the holes the only thing you're losing is the water and 50 percent of the lactose which is sugar Mm -hmm. um so it's like a win-win and we we maintain all of that whey protein in there without adding any so it's a very rich clean pure product where we're not we're not adding anything into it. And it's just that yummy and creamy and thick. Yeah. Some, sometimes you get a, a like a gritty feeling when you're eating yeah. Greek yogurt mm-hmm. because they add the whey protein into it. Oh, okay. So it's okay. like that, it's that powder protein. We're not adding anything into it. We're literally just, you know, I guess consolidating it. <laughs> right. Is that a good word? Haley's definitely the science behind this i'm uh the marketing sales and she's a lot of marketing too but we've we found our 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 ways well i mean that's good i mean marketing and then the science whole side of it those are two very different disciplines i mean that's really good you're both kind of focused on those areas yes so we and also like um when it comes to just our branding and we've met um, her name's Kelly and she's awesome. We literally found her on Instagram and she brought our brand to life. We're like, we're down home. Like we come from the farm. We want people to relate to us. We want it to be simple and appealing and not like scary, but to know that it's a premium product, um, and that we're really like in tune with nature. And she's really brought that brand like to life. So it is, it's about, it's about the people, but you can meet them on Instagram. And like, we started this business during COVID. So we met everyone online, like everyone. <laughs> including you. Yeah. Including you. Yeah. It's true. Including me. I mean, how hard was that? Cause you hear of so many companies that are established before COVID and then COVID happens and then they go under, but you guys, you created a business during COVID and I'd say it looks like it's succeeding very, very well. So, I mean, what, what was the whole process of like that? And then what advice would you have for people? So to begin with, it was really nice to launch during, well, we didn't launch. We started game planning and really getting everything put together during COVID. Mm -hmm. And it was a great time because nobody could go outside. So we weren't (laughs) tempted to, you know, go out, hang out and get distracted by anything. It's like we, no one had really anything to do. So we just stayed (laughs) home and allowed us to focus (laughs) and figure out exactly what we wanted. And uh, you talked about um, getting flavors and figuring that out. So during that time, we would we would figure out all the different flavors we wanted. They'd come to my kitchen and I would hand sample them with other people's, you know, yogurt so that I could I could try to see, is this the flavor we want mm. or is this not the flavor we wanted? So during COVID was a great time to like really 
to get a new hobby, to create something, everyone experienced that. And we just created, you know, the foundation of our brand, what flavors we wanted and where we wanted to go. Since Mm -hmm. then, COVID's been really hard on supply chains. Mm -hmm. So now that we have our ideas and everything we want, um, getting cops, getting labels, getting everything all together so that we can we can actually create the product that we dreamt up during the slower COVID times. It's, it's been, it's been difficult that way. Um, but I do want to touch on the fact that we said networking and we built this great team and we built that all through like Zoom and Google meets and Microsoft, yes. Microsoft, whatever Microsoft is. And um it's, it's allowed us, like, it's, we look at it as an opportunity. Like, we can literally sit in our home offices with our dogs at our feet and connect with some of, you know, the most professional, like, the most expertise people in their areas, which are like, hey, we're launching a CPG brand. We didn't even know we were launching a CPG brand. We like, we're going to sell yogurt. And they're like, oh, so you're launching a CPG brand, we're like consumer product goods. We're like, Okay, cool. So we're like learning this new lingo with people that we're working with people that are in California and Oregon and Washington and Texas and um, New York and New Jersey, Connecticut. I mean, we're every single day we're on the phone with people from all over the country. And if we figured if we had a traditional business, we would have, you know, we would be like, okay, well, we need an office. We need someone there all the Mm -hmm. time to maintain the door. And so it's almost, it's definitely been an opportunity to restructure how business is done. And we just plugged in at the right time. Like it, it worked out actually nicely for us. So I think that was a, that's something that we, we looked at it as an opportunity, but we're, we're, we're opportunists and, and we're, we're positive, you know, thinkers all the time, which gets us in trouble on another front, but like we're infectiously we- enthusiastic. Someone told Haley that the other day. So now that's the thing that we pick on her about. <laughs> Infectiously enthusiastic. I like that. I mean, especially, I mean, you're, you get, you're both doing something that you're passionate about. So, and you're finding the right people to help you in areas you need help with. And I mean, that's so awesome. You've been taking advantage of the tools out there, out there like Zoom, Teams, whatever. I mean, that's awesome. That's such a, I guess, a whirlwind and taking advantage of, you know, the pandemic and working from home and stuff like that. So that's awesome. That's good to hear. Yeah, it's been really great because I live on the farm and the farm is probably an hour from any Walmart, a half Mm. an hour, you know, 15 minutes just to get off the dirt road. And (laughs) so it allows me to actually create a business and have a job in a place that I love where I wouldn't be able to. And it also allows me to to um, be on social media. So show everyone what our farm is doing every day, because I can also work from home and then go outside and take pictures of the cows in the pasture behind me, or the chickens that are, you know, walked right up to my door and staring at me while I'm on a zoom call. So it's (laughs) kind of fun that way. (laughs) Yeah, that's so cool. And kind of going off the social, the social media thing. I mean, how important is it to you both to, to be genuine and to show people really what's going on at the farm? So how important is that? It is why we're doing what we're doing. We want to, one, create a sustainability for our farm Mm. so we can have it for years to come. And secondly, and maybe it's probably just as big of a priority, but we want to connect the disconnected. We want to show people how transparent we are, what we're doing. We're so proud of it. And we want to we want to relate that to everyone and have everyone um, have have the comfortability to ask us questions and so that we can connect them with like-minded people or with opportunities in the world that they might not have been able to see. 
I like that. Ste- do wanna... Stephanie, do you have anything to add there? Yeah. Um, that's basically, yeah, like in everything that when we started, it was about connecting the disconnected. So mm. we noticed that people weren't, they didn't understand agriculture. They didn't understand where their food was from. And, you know, this far, a farmer was like this elusive thing. And so we feel like being, you know, 20 something year old millennial farmers that we have this opportunity to connect with people that our dad, uncles and grandpa couldn't do because, um, you know, people are interested. They're looking up information about agriculture, about sustainability, about regenerative farming. And like, we can be that face or like that liaison, um, between, you know, something that they don't understand, which is agriculture and between people who, um, you know, maybe can't drive 10 minutes to go to a farm or have never seen cows in person. Mm -hmm. And we feel like that's extremely important to us to, to get videos out there and help people break it down, um, you know, simply so that they can understand where the food comes from. So they can understand that there's this there's these people that are are working to provide that food every single day and and they care about their animals they care about their land so it's incredibly like that's like why painter and sisters is doing what they're doing it's to connect the disconnected yeah that's awesome and i feel like social media kind of gets a bad rap and i talk about this a lot on the show um but i mean it's provided such an outlet for farmers and ranchers like around the world to literally showcase what's going on like you can go on in any social media platform you like and then you can look up um, followers, hashtags, whatever. And you can literally see like what's going on at the farm. Like people can see how you guys are making your yogurt. They can see the cows. They can see literally everything. So it's, it, it does get a bad rap sometimes, but it's also a very extremely tool when it's used well. So you guys also, one of your labels okay. is regeneratively farmed. So tell me about kind of your farm and any regenerative farming practices y'all have. Yeah, so uh, we're an organic farm in northern Pennsylvania. We're pretty a medium, medium-sized farm because we're surrounded by hills. So we sit on top of a hill, mm. but in a pocket of other hills. Um, so the cows—it's um, great because where we where we milk them, the cows can graze on the hills that we can't we can't disc, we can't we can't work the land. So it's it's perfect. It's very mutualistic with the land because then that land gets some kind of use out of it. Um, the, the good crops keep growing back the good grasses because the cows are eating it. They're fertilizing it. Then we spread manure on it. We also, um, buy organic chicken manure in to spread around it. So it stays really lush for them and close. So then the cows come back and, um, we raise all the, the calves and calves up in the first steers and to put back mm-hmm. into our herd. We're also a diversified herd. So we have... I think there's seven different types of dairy cows in our country and we have all seven types and Oh, cool. You don't hear about that a whole lot. That's interesting. No, there's really funky looking cows on our farms. <laughs> if you want to see some cute pictures, go to, go to our Instagram because I like to say we have, um, like a cheetah looking one, a zebra looking one. They're, they're all so funky. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny yeah i've got a, a, a dairy friend in pennsylvania i think she has jerseys and i think nothing but jerseys <laughs> yeah so we have jerseys but then they're crossed with milking shorthorn and linebacks okay. so you mix that all together and they start getting these stripes and spots together and and the buggy huh. eyes like a jersey so they're so <laughs> they're so cute um but yeah milking shorthorn isn't isn't a very common breed but we've had them you know, the entire time we've farmed since 1941. So would you say that kind of that diversity of the herd, would that make 
the milk and then therefore the yogurt that much more unique? Yeah, it's definitely unique. So uh, we get it mm. tested and it's it's very clean. It has a lot of it's high in fat and it's high in other nutrients because we crossbreed them. Um, it also makes our cows really hardy because when they're, like I told you, they it's they're on hills, so they have to walk a lot. Mm-hmm. And so um, being crossbred just allows them to be very versatile and healthy animals. So longevity and health of the animal creates a really high quality milk and a really yummy yogurt. I bet. And so to be, I mean, you guys are, you're both organic and regenerative. Can you be regenerative and not organic or are regenerative and organic really kind of synonymous with oh, each no, other? No, you can completely be organic or you can be uh, regenerative. You don't have to be both. And I really love that you don't have to be both because it allows, you know, different farmers to uh, have niches in the markets because there's so many. Mm-hmm. And right now we, we think a lot in black and white, conventional or organic. Um, regenerative brings a whole new ball game to it. Like you can still have these little niches that you're doing great for the environment or for the land or for the animals. Um, it's, it's sustainable and putting back into the land, um, while not being organic or you can have both. So it really plays a factor in, um, you know, uh, people exhibiting what their farms can do and how it's different than just conventional because they're not just conventional. You can have a (laughs) hundred different farms that are all conventional and all so different. And their milk quality can be so different and um, their yields and products, it's so different. So uh, regenerative is very, you know, I love it (laughs) that it's coming (laughs) out and exposing. Yeah, I feel like more and more people are, I guess, not really going to regenerative, but more people are learning about regenerative farming, especially consumers. They're learning like, oh, wait, this is a thing and it's been around for 50, 60 years. Like, oh, okay, I thought this was just like, New. So it's cool that more people, especially outside of agriculture, have been learning about it. Yeah. Yes. And I actually think it's like, it's one of the first mm. farming practices. Like it's the natural cycle of the world, you know, like I think that, you know, that's how it kind of started. And we're, we're, and we're seeing this in a lot of different industries, like in a lot of different ways in the agriculture world too. Like even with our yogurt, people want like, back to simple, like back to the way that it, it was, you know, before we got too like in too like much mm-hmm. involved with changing nature, you know? So it, it really like, I think we're going like back in time when we might've had better practices than what we've been with. While know, pairing been that with the, the technology of modern so. day to, like, to mm-hmm. understand if we're actually benefiting the land or not. So then we can learn from that. So yeah, regenerative is really interesting in that way because it's teaching exactly. and actually learning about what you're doing and if it's good for for what where you are and for the land. Yeah, I feel like I don't know decades or maybe a century ago there was like this huge shift to like just going conventional, using fertilizers and all this good stuff like like synthetic fertilizers, pesticides, and all that. And because we wanted up production and then people are learning like, oh, hey, regenerative farming is just as good if you do the right practices. And especially if you combine it with technology, with what we've developed so far. So, I mean, it's great that both of these can kind of be um, kind of cohesive. And it's kind of like um, milk fat, like milk fat, like 20 years ago. And we're, you know, it's like, oh, 0% is healthy for you. Like that's what's healthy for you. And now we're looking at, okay, now the 6% is healthy for you. You know, no full fat milk is healthy for you again. And it's kind of reverting <laughs> back to like what our ancestors always knew, like milk's good for you, you know? And, and it's, and it's 
original state, which is 4%. And Haley, do you want to talk about yeah, a so little I'm not bit about like, what milk fat or anything, does for but, your body? Um, we, we really believe that milk fat, it provides more energy and it provide, provides a much mm-hmm. needed energy. Fat and fatty acids, they're essential nutrients and we need those. And so we're really, we're proud to add that fat into the milk. Also helps aid digestion and other nutrients and vitamins and minerals. So having the high fat can also sustain you over so then you're not eating as much throughout the day. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. It it feels like, I guess, milk fat feels kind of like bootcut jeans. Like they're in style, then they're not, then they always come back. Like. There are trends. I mean, sometimes research articles come out and they say, mm-hmm. oh, it's not healthy. And then another one comes out and says, actually, it is healthy. Ignore our first study. So it's very fashion and diet advice. I feel yeah. like always kind of go up and yeah. down. Yeah. Yes, but it's kind of like what I was bringing back to the regenerative farming practices. Like, hey, like if we just look back at what worked before we started to get kind of crazy, mm-hmm. like that's what still works now. Like that's what our ancestors and their ancestors like they, you know, farmed a certain way to sustain the land. And, you know, they, <laughs> yeah, that's they, true. They drank whole milk. <laughs> so like, yeah, you, I mean, you can take the best here, of both you know? worlds just because there's some new practice that comes out. Doesn't mean you have to switch completely to that. You can take the best of both worlds and just kind of see what works for you. Yeah. And that's the thing. I mean, yeah, exactly. Make like a dairy decision. farm here in Florida might not work the practices that you guys have, but vice versa. I mean, it's all about the climate. It's about the animals. It's about figuring out what works in your exact environment and then kind of going with exactly. that. Exactly. We're strong proponents. Go, yeah. Of yeah. And I mean, that's been fun because yeah. I've learned like what works for a ranch in Australia doesn't work for a ranch here in Florida, but you've just got to take it in stride and see what works, what doesn't make some small adaptions and stuff like that. And kind of just really try new things and and really not be afraid to try new things and new practices, even though they can be very overwhelming. Like if you want to switch to regenerative agriculture, maybe do it in small increments instead of just going 100% regenerative. I mean, it's about being consistent, I feel like. Exactly. So I'm looking at your website, which is painterlandsisters.com. And your yogurt mm-hmm. is got all the labels, like all the labels, USDA organic, yeah. pasture raised, grass-based diet. So I know how difficult that is to get all that stuff on there. You've got people coming on the farm, testing the product, stuff like that. Was there anything, I don't know, were there any extra loopholes and hurdles you had to jump through when you're developing this during the pandemic? Oh, so, my goodness. <laughs> wait, let me answer. Okay, first. okay. <laughs> Stephanie's favorite thing is we're trendy without being trendy. Mm. So most without trying to be. Without trying to be. So yeah. most of the labels we have, the farm has just been doing, you know, for years. It's not like they have done it so that mm. we could put a label on it. It's We already believed in this. We were already proud of it. And so we were happy to put the label on it. Um. Now, some of the other labels the farm didn't have that Stephanie wants to talk about. Go ahead, Steph, you can share with them. Well, I just wanted to say, yeah, like we're, we've noticed that like we have to figure out what we really want, like what attributes we really want to show. Because we're like, oh, my gosh, we're we're women owned business. Oh, my gosh, we fit that into the keto one. diet. Oh, my gosh, <laughs> we, we have an excellent source of protein. You know, we're, we yeah. have billions of probiotics. We're we're regenerative. We're organic. Like we're like, oh, my gosh, like our team is like, you guys got to slow it down. Like you got to break it down a little bit, prioritize. We're like, but we're everything. <laughs> and um, but yeah, so one of the things is like even um, to become a women, a certified women owned business through WBNC, like that took 
a long time. That That's took, what I was waiting for. Yeah, that took a long time <laughs> to, to certify us. We're certifiable women now. And that took quite a while. And um, But it, it was important. And the, the group that they have and the resources that they have. So, it, yeah, it's great to put on our label and to show people that we're women-owned. But the resources that that um, team at WBNC has brought together, it's cool. Like, and we can now utilize that. Even our our Pennsylvania preferred, like that took months too. So now we're certified Pennsylvanians and we're a certified Pennsylvania company. And so, but that that takes a while. Like it's it's like nurturing a plant. Like you can't just stop it. If you stop it, like it'll it'll be dead. You'll be just another person trying to get a certificate. Like <laughs> you have to really nurture those like relationships to to really like you know finish that project so each one of those certifications was a project our usc organic was uh an easy one for us because our our family farm has been organic for quite a while so we had certified milk and um and then our 10th generation icelandic uh yogurt maker that we work with he's certified organic so it was that was an easy relationship but it's following through with that and making sure Mm. the paperwork looks right they there's just so much paperwork. It is. It's like, that's where it comes down to. <laughs> like, yeah, these are attainable, but it's a lot of paperwork. It's a lot of following up with people. Um, but we've met a lot of people on the way that have been great um, to help us get there. Yeah. I mean, you brought up a very good point. I mean, you guys qualify as so much stuff like regenerative farming, USD organic, women-owned, Pennsylvania-based. And I mean, that's great, but you also don't want to like overwhelm the customers, I guess, when you have all that stuff on the packages, because they'd see like 30 labels and be like, "Eh, I'm kind of overwhelmed. I want something that I know what it is. Like, this is kind of crazy. But yeah, so that that, it seems like it's a very interesting line. You've kind of got to type what kind of walk down. That's very interesting. Yeah, it's it's been so (laughs) interesting because on that label, we only have so much space because not only do we have so many qualifications that would overwhelm them, we have the tiniest label. (laughs) So I had a like... It's a yogurt label. It's like not milk. It's like a yogurt. Like it's just this much. And we have to put all that right here and a QR code. So (laughs) like... And the nutrition facts. So it was just, we went through probably over 60 or more renditions of that single label over and over again with five SKUs. So then getting the colors right and that kind of thing. So we are very excited to finally be finished with our label. (laughs) I can imagine, yeah. (laughs) So is our graphic designer, Kelly. Like we've been like, we literally thought we've had this finalized like 60 times. We're like, oh yeah, that looks good. And then we're like, Hey, somebody said, can you just move that blueberry a little bit to the left? (laughs) (laughs) It's like, okay. So yeah, it's it's been, the label process has been a lot. It's very time consuming. I bet it is. A lot of And then she gets emailed two days later, like, hey, actually, could you move it back over to the right where it was? Or she got it emailed six months later. (laughs) Can you move it back to the original six months ago? Oh, that's rough. (laughs) That is no bueno. Kelly, Kelly, we're sorry. (laughs) (laughs) That's so cool. Well, I mean, mean, it's clear that she's doing a great job because this stuff, the labels look very clean. Because I feel like, I mean, if if you're buying a product, and especially if, if you haven't tried it before, you want something that's got a nice label. It's easy to read. It, I mean, it's easy to look at it's you know it it gives you an idea of what the product is so i'm sure marketing is like super duper important especially when you're trying to get consumers to buy into it for a first time yes um there are certain words that we're learning um about getting into like retail stores 
and I'm not exactly sure the correct term on this, but like, like they need to be walking by, especially if we're, cause we have a lot of milk. So we're going into some bigger channels. Like we're trying to get into some bigger channels. We've gotten into some stores now and they need a customer needs to walk by and they need to quickly see like that front panel and quickly see like, Hey, I'm attracted to that. Mm -hmm. Like, and then they start leaning towards and then they grab it. Then they see all of the different attributes, but they, we still need to grab their attention right off the, you know, right off the bat. And that's why we put that, like that front panel was so important. We didn't realize that we had to, you know, that's why we put the 16 grams to 18 grams mm -hmm. of protein, like right on the front, we are double cream. So we have 6% milk fat. So we're, you know, double whole milk and we wanted to put that right on the front and so Icelandic skier is already creamy and then we just made it like extra creamy <laughs> and um we were excited about that even like it, it was just it was a wild ride but um to to pass by we had to grab the attention and we wanted to keep it clean too because it's a it's a clean product it's a simple clean product we didn't want it to look not natural like we really like our products natural we're you know authentic like like we're just like you know farm kids like trying to sell our farm stuff and that's really what we wanted to relay back um onto the label yeah no totally so. agree and, and so what what's been the process like of you trying to get it in stores like what do you try what do you do when you meet with a company you're like hey you guys should put it in the <laughs> store so what's that been like so first of all we knew like one of the best pieces of advice that we've gotten and this is from Noah, one of our consultants, one of our very first consultants. Um, he said, you're either going to pay for experts upfront, you're gonna pay for your learning and mistakes, like pay in mistakes and learning later. So we're like, okay, like let's figure out how we can pay for those experts so <laughs> we can like push this along and not make as many mistakes. So we hired um, a guy named Trevor that is, he's in California. And he has been awesome to help us get um, our to do this like CPG launch, which, you know, now it's like, OK, becoming official. Mm -hmm. He He's done this before, like he strategized in getting into stores. And it's a whole thing that we weren't even aware of. Like we thought the labels were crazy. And then when we were about to get into these stores, it's like, OK, well, you need your sales deck. OK, well, you need a comparative chart you know, against your competitors. Oh, you need this, that, and the other thing. And it has to be totally lined up. You need different pricing for different, you know, uh, just groups, you know, the distributors versus retailers versus, you know, retail or yeah, wholesalers versus retail. It's just like, it's like this whole different language mm -hmm. we're learning. So he's really helped teach us that, but it's not like, it's not super duper easy to get into stores. <laughs> and then um, the other thing was just to like, I keep reminding myself to just shoot my shot. Like, I'm like, just, just throw it in. Like, hopefully throw it up. Hopefully it'll go in. We also played basketball. So that's probably why I'm thinking about Yeah, we were, um, <laughs> we were told we could get a lot of no's, but you just keep going because eventually you'll get a yes. So mm -hmm. Stephanie and I, you know, it's, it's fun selling our product. Once we get in front of the people, it's setting up the meetings to actually talk to them. Cause once they talk to us, they usually like us because we are the ones selling it to them or Stephanie as they're, you know, we're going yeah. to the events ourselves. So it's cool because we are the face of our brand. We are the face of the, mm -hmm. the company. And so we're able to tell that story a lot better than some other brands can. So it's, it's really fun that way. Um, it's just getting the original meetings to talk to them is, and then 
afterward mm-hmm. closing the deal. So that's why we we've hired people like Trevor and um it's it's definitely made all the difference. I bet it has. What's the balance there between like marketing the product and then also marketing your story? I mean, they're both super important, but what's that kind of balancing act like? We're just learning that now because we <laughs> haven't had product until, you know, March 1st, two weeks ago. <laughs> and <laughs> so we were really marketing our story and adding little twists and teasers to people so they could see what our product was going to look like so they could get an idea of it and get excited about it. But now that we have we have it, we're putting a whole new marketing plan together and we're really excited. Uh, we want to include influencers in the agriculture community like you and um, just there's a great network on Instagram specifically. We want to connect and tap in with that and start figuring out how we play that uh, balance between our lifestyle, which includes mm-hmm. our farm since we live on it, and Stephanie and I's story while also we're getting the products out. And on top of it, the consumer story, so how much they love our products. So we're, we're just learning those other aspects and stay tuned to see how it goes. <laughs> we're really excited for it, though. We're shooting our shot with that, so we'll, we'll see if it works. <laughs> hey, there you go. That's awesome. I mean, one thing I've learned by like, like trying to grow this podcast, I mean, you got to find your audience and then stick with it and try to grow it. And so that's cool. You're reaching out to the ad community, getting influencers and stuff like that people that, you know, know a thing or two about agriculture and they're willing to try really good products and not only showcase the product, but also also showcase the story, which I think is also another great thing about social media. You can showcase your product and then your story and how they kind of go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. So that's fun. Exactly. It's great. Like we've, we've gotten a lot of compliments when we go into the sales Mm -hmm. meetings or just to consumers because we do have that story and it is so unlike, you know, most people where we are the farmers providing this yummy product mm. into stores like we're not just the brand we're not just the yogurt we're the entire package and we're so proud to share that so um yeah we're we love our story and we, uh, we want to connect it with everyone and to connect other people's stories we we feel like we have a duty here mm. now in this life we've always felt like we've had a duty to like just show that like hey um you know farms can be vertically integrated and we can do this. We can put a, put a voice um, to farmers and to the ag community. Like, like we got this. So like, we feel like we have something to prove. Definitely. Um, It's, it's fun. It's been fun. I bet it uh, fun and also a good challenge. I can imagine. Yeah. (laughs) So on top of that, uh, we talk about, you know, our farm. So our farm is, fourth generation it's my dad and his two brothers Mm. who own it and all of their families so we're you know we're the fourth generation the third generation own it now so we had to also you know kind of sell to them because this is their this is their milk and they have to like it and so we were talking about our brand we wanted to pay heritage to our farm painterland farms and to the fact that we're family so sisters Mm -hmm. so we asked our you know cousins and brothers who were 20 hey what do you think we should name it what do you guys think about painterland sisters and they thought we should name it Painterland Heifers. And I am so... <laughs> so you can't take everyone's advice, but... That's true. That's, Especially that's your brother. Yeah. That's funny. I mean, I feel like if my sister was starting a business, I would do the same thing. Oh, gosh. <laughs> that's so funny. So, all right, you're working to get it in stores and stuff like that. I know some companies have been doing direct-to-consumer, so... Where do you, have y'all thought about that? I mean, obviously, I know it's it's very tricky getting something that's a perishable product. So, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? 
Yes. So one day we will have subscription yogurt sales. Okay, cool. But we have to prioritize mm. just getting it out there right now in the quickest avenue and not worrying about perfecting this cold shipping quite yet because that is a whole animal. And we've been oh, doing yeah. it all right with our samples to different stores, but I mean, it's a whole separate um, kind of business. The the D to C like perishable shipping. I like it's crazy. So we definitely do want to that. We want them, okay, you have a connection to our brand. We want to be the ones that, you know, provide that to you. But right now we um we need to and want to partner with people who are already established wholesalers and distributors. Like right now we really need um we need those relationships and we need their help to get this out in the way we we have a lot of milk <laughs> and so we need to make sure this works out but um one day one day <laughs> and stephanie and Haley, it was so fun to finally meet y'all um i think your product is awesome i'm excited to see this story excited to follow you too and just kind of see where it goes i think this is awesome but i can't wait i think this is awesome so cool so thanks so much for being cool. on and we appreciate it Awesome. Thank you for Thank having you so us much. on. Yeah, absolutely. We'll have to have y'all on again, um, maybe in like a year or so, and kind of see the status of the business, what stores you're in and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah next time you'll have to wear a Painterland Sisters bandana. We'll send you one. Hey, that could this. work. Yeah, I'll definitely wear it. That'd be fun. Painterland Sisters bandana coming soon. <laughs> and um, <laughs> also, we need to get you some yogurt. Yes, please. And we have shipped yogurt to Florida, and it has been successful. So maybe we'll have to make an exception on that D to C right now. For you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, that's good. I mean, I would definitely try it. I tried another product from another guest I had on years ago. or No, it was like last year. But um, I ordered some meat. They sent me like some free samples and it got delayed in that big old snowstorm that happened. And so it was supposed to be here in like three days and then it got here in a week and a half and it was warm. I was like, I'm not eating this, but I, I called them yeah. and they fixed it and then it got here in like two days. So that was funny. Oh, goodness. It was wild. But... <laughs> That's the problem with shipping. You just never know. And it's not like, you know, it's like a piece of paper that could be sent back and it, then they can send it back to you. It's like, yeah, it gets scary, especially with dairy. Oh, yeah, that's true. So. I had a friend. So one friend owns a cake company in Colorado and another friend here in Florida ordered a cake for his girlfriend's birthday and she shipped it overnight, I think, with dry ice. And I think the cake was like, I don't know, $100, but the shipping and everything was $200. But it got yeah. there. It was still frozen. It all worked out. But she was like, I'm never doing that again because it was hectic. <laughs> it was really funny. <laughs> It, it literally like makes your shoulders go up to your ears. You're like, I hope it gets there in time. And especially when you're sending to like, you know, buyers and stuff, you're you're hoping that it tastes good and not spoiled milk. I mean, who wants spoiled dairy? Yeah, I mean, so. I feel like when you're working with a wholesaler or you're trying to give them your sample, you've got one shot. And if you, you've got to deliver them like a good cold product. And if it's warm, they'll be like, eh, on to the next sample or something. Exactly. You literally have one shot. That's what's so crazy about this right now. Like shoot your shot, like, yeah, and make it good because you got one. Yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> I mean, you might get 99 no's, but you might get one yes, and that can make all the difference in the world. Exactly. <laughs> That's mm -hmm. awesome. All right. Well, Stephanie Haley, thanks again so much for being on, and we'll have to talk to y'all soon. Yeah, thank you so much. Right, thank you.